What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. I've now drafted 135 paid teams so far this summer, so I figured it would be fun to take a look at my exposures, see which running backs I have not been drafting very much. Every running back we go over in today's video is on less than 7% of my teams, and for most of them, they're on less than 2% of my teams. So sit back, hit the like button, and let's start things off with Aaron Jones. Now, Jones is my most rostered running back among today's list, uh, but I still only have him on 6% of my teams, which is a fairly low number, especially for someone that I think is super talented and have loved in the past. For many years now, I have hyped up Aaron Jones as a really good player and a really good opportunity that we want in fantasy. I just think people have been a basically having like a bit of a rosy outlook on the Packers this season, even with Aaron Rodgers last year, they only scored 21.8 points per game and they were 17th in red zone fantasy points per game for running backs. And I think that's important because we don't know exactly how good Jordan Love is going to be, but I can promise you that he's worse than Aaron Rodgers. And so this overall opportunity this like high-end opportunity this fantasy production for this team is going to go down and my fear is that they're going to fall into like the bottom seven for scoring and that neither one of these running backs can really be capable of being an elite fantasy option this season and with Jones coming off the board as the running back 16 early fifth round on underdog early fourth round in redraft leagues I just don't see there being a, a very high chance that he outperforms that ADP. And these fears are a little bit confirmed when we start looking at sportsbook odds. And we see that on DK, the Packers are the fifth most likely to be the lowest scoring team in the league. That's not great, especially when we're still expecting Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to split the touches. It's not like we're going into this year expecting Jones to get 80% of the workload. They're going to be not in a 50-50 split, but they're going to split a lot of this workload. So if they end up as a bottom seven offense and they're splitting the running back touches, then an early fourth round ADP is just a little bit difficult to get behind. So I've honestly been leaning towards some other running backs in that spot, but honestly, more often than not, I'll go wide receiver, I'll go quarterback, I'll go tight end. Uh, there are some very, very good options in that range that have a very low chance of busting, and I just don't think that Jones is going to bury you for not drafting him. It's something you're going to hear a few times in this video, and it's something I think about a lot when we're looking at players to fade, and not even fade. I mean, again, I have him on 6% of my teams. If he has an amazing season, I do have some of him, but he's not someone I'm attacking. And when I get to his part of the draft, something that always goes through my mind is, can he bury me for not drafting him? Can I lose my league because I passed on this pick or like significantly reduce my chances of winning? And I'm always just thinking, no. I mean, what are the chances that he just shatters this ADP is an incredible pick? Probably not. It seems like worst case scenario if you're fading him, is that he outperforms the ADP, but like barely, and you know, it's not too much of a negative in avoiding him. Another running back that I haven't really been drafting that much is Alexander Madison. I actually only have him on 4% of my teams right now. Now, 
I actually do see a path to elite production for Madison. I do think Madison has a higher ceiling than Aaron Jones and a better chance of hitting that ceiling as well. I just think the path to him hitting that ceiling is still less likely than most people are assuming. I was very quick to jump on the bandwagon once Dalvin Cook was cut, and it seemed like they wouldn't sign on the running back. Just all roads were indicating they're going to give him a lot of touches. But I've kind of started to pump the brakes a little bit over the last month or so, and I actually have him ranked about a round behind ADP, and that's both in redraft leagues and in best ball. My first fear is that we just don't really know how good he is. That might seem a little bit harsh, but he's averaging 3.7 and 3.8 yards per carry over the last two years with a below average yards per reception. And he played all 17 weeks last season. He had one game over 40 rushing yards. He never hit over 25 receiving yards. We're really just clinging on to a few starts he had. And I get it. Like he was very productive in the six games he started in his career. But it's also worth noting that three of those six starts came against the Lions in years where Detroit allowed the most and the fourth most fantasy points to running backs. In fact, if you look at his six starts, he basically had four really good games and two duds. In the four really good games, all of them came against bottom four defenses for fantasy running backs. So basically, teams that cannot defend the running back position that every running back that's facing them is putting up really good numbers. The two duds came against two good to above average defenses. And even last season, with Dalvin Cook having his worst season of his career, they never even really considered giving Alexander Madison any consistent touches. So again, I'm not saying he's awful, that he's a lock to bust. I just think the general consensus among the community is that he's going to be featured and he's going to crush because when we've seen him get touches in the past, he's produced well. But of our very small sample of him doing well, it was against trash defenses a few years ago, and he's been highly inefficient in back-to-back seasons now. So we really don't have any idea how good he is. We're just assuming he's going to be good, assuming he's going to be featured since they haven't really signed anyone yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and signed a running back or uh, maybe if, you know, he's not performing amazing and they kind of opt for some sort of committee this season. And with him going ahead of guys like Miles Sanders, who just got a monster contract, Cam Akers, Damian Pierce, two rounds ahead of James Conner. Like if you want inefficient volume, why not wait two rounds in the draft and just take James Conner. So it just feels like people are kind of just closing their eyes, hoping for the best with Madison, and I'm not about to do that, so I don't have him on very many teams. Next up, we've got Brian Robinson. and Everyone else in this video, I have very little of. I have only drafted Brian Robinson on two out of 135 teams, and the problem I have with him is ceiling. If we really want to go back to, can you bury me? I don't think Aaron Jones can. I think Madison can. So that's the one that a little bit concerns me. If he hits, he can hit big. Brian Robinson is not going to bury you. It is totally fine if you left the season with 0% Brian Robinson. Because no matter how hard I try, 
I just don't see a world where he's a high-end fantasy producer. I think he could be, you know, a mid to low end running back too if Gibson got hurt. But if that's his absolute ceiling, he's Antonio Gibson goes down, Brian Robinson's consistently like a mid to low end running back too, you know, there are better ways to spend your ninth round pick if that's the case. Robinson played 12 games as a rookie. He only gained 60 total receiving yards. Even with 205 carries, he gained only 797 rushing yards, only scored two touchdowns. And that's part of it, right? Sure, I'm not really sold on his talent, but it's not all Robinson's fault. Like the offense is not expected to be amazing this season. And you can see that with their odds as well. They are the third most likely team to be the lowest scoring in the NFL. And then on top of that, we've got this new offensive coordinator talking about emphasizing running backs in the screen game, the passing game. And I think people are translating that to Robinson. Like, oh, he's going to catch more balls. To me, it just says, no, I think that just means they're going to shift more workload to Gibson because Antonio Gibson is just better in that area. And so maybe Gibson's just on the field more than he was last season. And that directly impacts Brian Robinson. If you're reducing his snap share, you're reducing his touches. That's obviously bad for fantasy, especially on a team, again, third most likely to be the lowest scoring team in the league. So if I'm going to take a running back on this team, I mean, I'm much more likely to take Antonio Gibson since, you know, he's going later on most platforms. Why not take the running back? I think it's going to be better if his ADP is also later. So again, I would have no problem exiting with 0%. I've drafted him on like two teams because he was probably like 20 picks, 30 picks behind ADP at that time. And I'm like, well, if he's going to go off, I've got an incredible team with him. But again, there's a very real chance I end up with over 200 teams. And if I only had him on those two, I'd be totally fine with that. Another player I have on just two teams that does concern me a little bit more because I do think he can bury me is Ken Walker. Now, thankfully, uh, he's down around from where he was to open the offseason because, I mean, it was ridiculous how early he was going. So I actually did get my first share the other day. Perhaps I'm going to slowly get a tad more. I think I'm going to start, you know, seeing him towards the top of the rankings when I'm doing drafts as his ADP dips a little bit further down. Uh, but I still never anticipate that I'm going to rank him at ADP. So this is more like, you know, I'll start to get him when he falls a few spots, falls potentially half a round, you know, eight, nine picks. Then he'll be the top player in the rankings. I don't think I'll ever actually rank him at ADP. Uh, in fact, I actually have to over-project Seattle's rush attempts because if I split everything, Walker, Charbonnet, McIntosh, they're all terrible picks at their ADP. Like, if you just give them 100% of the workload, they're bad picks. Now, that's why there's a difference between, you know, doing a ranking and having projections, right? If you were to project this team with no injuries, they probably all disappoint. Uh, but what people are doing is saying, okay, well, I'll draft, you know, Ken Walker on this team, Charbonnet on this team. If there's an injury, if one of them breaks out, you know, this team was assuming Charbonnet hits, this team is assuming Ken Walker hits. So that's why their ADPs are higher than projections and why when I have things feed into the rankings, I want to over project the team because I don't want you thinking that you can't draft any of these players. You can draft them. I just want to point out that you're going to need one of those things to happen. Like you're going to need Charbonnet to get injured for Walker to hit. You're going to need Walker to get injured for Charbonnet to hit. Now, 
this offseason, everyone's been hurt, right? McIntosh has got an injury. Charbonnet is just coming back from an injury. Ken Walker is still out as of recording this, but it seems like he's going to come back very quickly. Um, in my analysis, like I'm, I'm not factoring any of these injuries in. So this isn't me saying, oh, he's got the groin injury. That's why his ADP is probably falling, which is, I guess, good news for me. But um, I'm not really factoring that in. I think everyone's going to be good to go to start the season. What I'm factoring in is just that I don't see how when everyone's healthy, he's paying off his ADP. And I hate drafting players early in the draft when that's the case, right? I don't want to draft someone in round like four on redraft, five on underdog that needs someone else to get hurt to work out. Everyone I draft in that range, I want their average outcome to be the outperform their ADP. And if someone gets hurt, they're absolutely incredible. And I just don't see that being the case with Ken Walker. I've said it a lot of times this summer, but like both Charbonnet and McIntosh are better in the receiving game than Ken Walker. And honestly, Charbonnet is good enough to start on a lot of teams, maybe not in week one, but as we work into the season, he's a very, very good prospect, a very, very good player. There's a lot of teams where he would be the lead back on. And when you have someone that talented, he's obviously going to steal some workload, which, which wasn't happening a lot of times last season. And then you look at JSN, you're like, okay, well, they also drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba early in the first round. Like, he's going to take away short area targets. That's a potential negative for Ken Walker because we're really just reducing that potential in the receiving game. If you've got two running backs that are better at catching, you've got more short area targets taken away. And maybe they're going to be more pass heavy as well, which would be a negative because, again, everything's going to be on the ground with Ken Walker. If they look at their receiver core and they're like, why would we run the ball? I mean, this is this is incredible. Like, let's just keep throwing it. If that happens, it's just like, I don't know. I just, the, the touch ceiling for Ken Walker doesn't seem to be there. And you're starting to approach a situation where he needs like, you know, 1,200 rushing yards to pay off his ADP. And that's a lot to ask from any player, never mind a second year player with some good backups behind him. Then you think about the touchdowns. He had 100% of Seattle's carries inside the five yard line last season only scored once on those carries. And I'm thinking he's not going to have 100%. He's the only player to have 100% inside the five-yard line. I don't think that happens this year. I think they give Charbonnet some of those touches. So, I don't know. It just feels like people are being very, very optimistic, uh, especially with the receptions. And even if he continues dropping a little bit, like it's unlikely he ever becomes a really good value. And so, I'm probably just not going to end up with him very much. Then finally, uh, someone that I only have in one league, one out of 135, uh, which was a surprise because I could have sworn I drafted him at least in a few, uh, and that's Travis Etienne, uh, one best ball mania team. That's it. Like, that is kind of crazy for an early round player, right? I mean, for the most part, early round ADPs are generally accurate, but he's coming off the board in the early fourth round on underdog, early third round in redraft leagues. It's it's just too early. Like I understand the appeal. I love the Jaguars offense this season. I think they're going to be awesome. And I was actually in on ETN last season. I thought he was a really good pick last year, just given how explosive a player he is. But we do still need to acknowledge the depth chart last season. Like he was competing with James Robinson until he was cut. Then Jamichael Hasty, Snoop Connor, two highly mediocre running backs. And if we look back to what he was bad at last season, if you don't want to say bad, what he wasn't great at last season, it's two things that Tank Bigsby excels at. Like, Etienne was sixth 
in red zone carries last season, yet he ranked 32nd in red zone rushing touchdowns. Same is true if you look inside the five. He was 12th in carries inside the five, 35th in touchdowns inside the five. So he wasn't amazing in the red zone. The other area he needs to improve is the receiving game. Very explosive, caught 35 balls, and you're like, well, that's not bad, right? No, but he ran a ton of routes. He was 15th in routes per game, but he was 33rd in targets per game among running backs. So he's running these routes, and he's explosive when he gets it, but he's not really commanding targets. And so those two areas, again, red zone touches and commanding targets, which are extraordinarily valuable in fantasy, wasn't great at. That's where Tank Bigsby has been thriving in camp. Like they say he's looking like he's shot out of a cannon. In the red zone, he looks fantastic. Near the goal line, he's been just every single day we're getting hype about him in the receiving game. They've said he's been one of the best receivers in camp. And so, again, given how valuable those two roles are for fantasy production, if Tank is going to carve out a role for him on this offense, at the goal line, on third downs, in potentially two-minute drills, that's going to destroy the value for Etienne. And I'm just not willing to spend such an early pick on a running back that I think is going to be pushed for valuable touches, like very, very valuable touches. I don't care about carries inside the 20s. If he's getting taken off the field near the goal line, if Tank is coming off the field in passing situations, the Tank's going onto the field in passing situations, that's not great. So I would just rather draft Tank Bigsby 150 picks later in redraft, over 100 picks later on underdog. That just feels like a much better investment to make than taking ETN super early because where he's going, he really needs to work out or else he's going to hurt your team. So those are my least rostered running backs through 135 drafts so far this summer. If you want to get in on the action, you want to be drafting all throughout August, make sure you're taking advantage of our underdog promo going on right now because it really is the best in the industry. Like you can find other people that are going to give you a promo code for underdog. You can find it pretty much anywhere. Not that's going to provide you also as much value as it is when you use promo code FFA. They're going to match your first deposit up to $100. So take full advantage of that, honestly. Put in the 100 bucks. They're going to turn it into 200 But also you're going to get all my draft rankings for free. Not just underdog. All of my draft rankings and the custom ranking sheet all for free. Plus all my underdog content. That's the strategy articles. That's the strategy app. That's their season-long stuff. Like all of it for free. Do that. You can draft a bunch of teams for the rest of summer. Plus, you can upload my rankings directly to the Underdog app and draft with them as your pre-draft rankings, which is a huge advantage. A lot more casual drafters are starting to show up right now, so now really is a good time to start drafting. So that'll do it for this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.